Hello, you found us again on Boomerangst. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. And we have a couple of topics to discuss today. Before we go any further, I did want to mention that our intro and outro music is by Masio and All the Kings. So just wanted to get that little plug in there. Today we're going to talk about Madonna, who is turning 60, and an article in today's Sunday New York Times called Smash the Wellness Industry, which we'll both discuss because we have opinions on that, and also climate change based on our experiences watching the series Our Planet from the BBC and the World Wildlife Fund. So, again, with Madonna. I have to say, I'm not and haven't been a huge fan of hers. She wasn't an icon for, yeah. for me. Well, I missed out because I was living in New York and all I listened to ever was Sondheim musicals. <laughs> so I've missed an entire generation of popular music. But I was aware of her presence and I remember Vogue. Everyone was into voguing, but I've, yeah, yeah, I'm such a discredit to the gay race. I think the, <clears throat> the thing that she did for women of my age was that we came out of this sort of androgynous phase. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was, she really broke in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And I just remember it was jeans and t-shirts. That's all I wore jeans and t-shirts and suddenly she showed up with her bra on the outside of her blouse. Pointy, pointy bra. Pointy bra. And I think women suddenly saw that and thought, oh, I want to be sexy too. Right. The, the two don't cancel each other out. But being... they sort of do. I mean, that's what I struggle with with her, right. her image. She is a strange combination of someone who defies you to define her by mm -hmm. her sexuality mm -hmm. and yet flaunts her sexuality. Right. Yeah. In that regard, she's powerful. Yes. And she owns her power and she doesn't take a back seat in any way because of gender, but she plays with the sex object yes. imagery, well, she, but in a way that was conscious. She wasn't She wasn't just being a Barbie doll because she thought men would like her more. She was doing it as a marketing tool in a way. So I, I think her marketing came in early when she figured out that she could wear lingerie as streetwear, and she was kittenish, and it wasn't until later that she became sort of the ice queen that we think of her as now. Well, do you think she was trying to make any kind of statement about women's rights or anything like that? Or do you think her main motivation was simply self-promotion? Yes. She did what she did to shock in a way that drew interest to her. Yes. And I, I don't mean that as a criticism, just as a way, no, as her business model. I don't think she would look at that, that as a criticism. Mm -hmm. But maybe she moved things forward in the sense that the idea had been, until she came on the scene, if your concern was about overcoming sexism, women maybe felt obligated to present themselves in a, in a less sexual way because they had their sexuality had been used against them. Yes. So I don't know. I have this idea that she took the women's movement from Birkenstocks to Manolo Blahnik. Uh-huh. And women were able to retain the hard-fought win that they had secured of becoming closer to equality. Yes. And then step back and go, and I get my sexuality too. Here's a quote from the, the article. A woman fearlessly expressing herself and saying, I'm encouraging all of you to be independent, to speak your mind, to express your sexuality freely, without shame, to not allow men to objectify you, to objectify yourself. I don't know, all of these things seemed like the natural way of where we should be going, which I agree with. I just don't think that she is consistent in her actual self-presentation. Well, it's interesting. She's an artist and a businesswoman, as I see her. Yeah. And she did what she did to create this 
brand and product right. called Madonna. And part of the product is shock value. Yeah. That's a defining characteristic. Yes. And so she never said that she was trying to move the women's movement forward or no. expand women's options in the post-women's liberation era. Maybe the movement and the culture was ready for that change and she somehow caught the wave. I think that's what it was. Moved through, I think moved that, it. She tapped into that. Yes. And possibly totally unknowingly. Yes, exactly. Instinctually. Yes. So now that she is who she is, I mean, there was uh, that's a lot right. of taboo about that's right. her presentation. Didn't she have a coffee table book that had like a lot of nudity it called in sex. it? Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so I, that's why I say shock was part of her brand. Yeah. And I give her a lot of credit. Mm -hmm. And I think that I probably speak for a lot of people in saying, I don't like her, but I respect her. And I certainly mm -hmm. enjoyed her music when right. of a certain era. Yeah. But now, looking at her at, at the age of 60, she's defiant. Right. She's not going to go off into that good night. She's no Frances McDormand, is what you're saying. She is no <laughs> Frances McDormand. She is, she's going to sell it. Probably is a more liberated woman than Madonna when you so, think about it. Because yeah. she's tied to her beauty. Now that That's she, almost, now she's yeah, isn't that funny? Her. It's like a Twilight Zone episode where she, she <laughs> used it to her advantage, but now it's got her. Yes. I don't know if that's the case, but that would be. I think that it would make a neat story. Case. I think that there is one thing that the writer says when she meets her in person. I can't find it here, but basically she says this woman who has been so criticized for the augmentation that she's had actually looks very beautiful in person, which I thought was interesting because the writer is informing us at the same time that Madonna has had all this work done, but forgiving her in a way by saying, but she's, she looks beautiful in reality, although she also goes on to note that the lighting in her mansion is completely curated. It's all for, contrived. Yes, it is. Well, mine's a little bit. <laughs> I got dimmers You don't on. have pink bulbs, I have, No, that's true, but I have dimmers everywhere. <laughs> because I have to be ready for my close-up. Yes, you Mr. do. Mr. Anyway, I, I just find it interesting and notable that she is turning 60, and what 60 looks like to her is, I would say, as close to 30 could look like for exactly. her. Exactly. Now, see, now I'm starting to like her more, because she used to play with gender roles, now she's playing with age roles. Oh, interesting. You know, I mean, I get what you're saying, and I, I do agree with it. She's maybe holding on, maybe she's holding on too tight, I don't know. But at the same time, it's kind of a lift for people, for those of us in our 60s to go, hey, check yeah. it out, you know? Yeah, it's like the Stones, continuing on. Exactly, and on and on. exactly. And as you hit this age, those of you who are uh, not boomers and listening haven't hit the 60s yet, <laughs> what you'll learn, what I learned anyway, is 60 doesn't feel very different from 30. It doesn't. But when you're 30 and looking at 60, you think you're going to feel this different way, and you don't. There's some liberation in it as well, yeah. I think. Yeah. I don't find Madonna's version of 60 very liberated. Mm -hmm. I get it. But then even the writer says in the article, she can't get down beneath the, the surface. She's Madonna is going to be who That's she right. is. She's going to present to you who she wants you to see. That's she's right. not going to be vulnerable. She's not going to take you into her confidence. And I think that that sort of flinty mm -hmm. exterior right. is what has protected her all these years. Right, right. Let's go on to wellness, shall we? Yes. This article grabbed my attention. The title is Smash the Wellness Industry. Now, I thought it was going to be a whole riff on vitamins and what a crock that was. As you can see from the picture, this is a cartoon of four women taking various substances. Oh. And yet, what I found was a very sobering and thoughtful article about why women buy into this idea that wellness is somehow virtuous and different than dieting. Oh, when, okay. 
They really are the same thing. Wellness has to do with, like when I was on that Whole30 diet. diet for 30 days, it was about eating clean, which I don't even know what that means really, <laughs> but it, it has to do with women conforming to some sort of very healthy, very vital role. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's still another way that the wellness Influencers is what they're called. These influencers are paid by companies to promote their products. And this oh, is a whole huge industry selling wellness that is actually just another name for women denying themselves, cheating themselves, feeling like they're bad when they eat certain food and good when they eat certain other food. And it, it just fucks with your mind. So what I appreciated was that this woman really got down to the fact that women need to take back ownership of their bodies. I said a couple of weeks ago that I was no longer going to be in the business of, of criticizing my body and, right. and wishing I looked different. One great thing that she said in this article was the idea is for women to love their bodies. And she said, I don't think I'm going to get there. Uh -huh. You know, men don't have to uh -huh. love their bodies to be right. successful. And men don't talk about their bodies the way that women do. <laughs> It's just a treadmill that we, I think, are really challenged to get off of. Well, I think that there's something about our susceptibility from big advertising to accepting, believing in a myth about ourselves that we're going to, for our lifetime, need and want constant fixing, uh, constant treatment, constant always Perfecting. getting better. Yeah, that's how the self-help world works with yes. self-esteem and all of that. Someday I'll feel good about myself. So for me, I'll speak for myself because I really can't speak for anyone else. I really bought into this idea that I've got to get better. It's my business to get better, whatever that means. And to me, it meant reach a point where I feel good about myself. Can and you separate that from, from the physical? Because I think the spiritual is the whole other realm. Yeah. Yes, we can. But at the same time, I think there's something similar in this buying into this idea that there's some goal you must reach, some goal of perfection, whether it's it's personality perfection, spiritual perfection, or body perfection. I think they're different. Yeah. In my perception, it's a very external and outward looking um, perspective. And I think like the top spin is about our physical manifestation. Right. The higher calling is spiritual, but that doesn't show on the outside. That's what I'm trying, trying to distinguish. That. That's not how you process the world internally. Got it. I think I said to your mother one time, a woman is screwed any way she looks at it. If she says she's happy with her body, society will either say, oh, you're stuck up or you're crazy right and if she says she's unhappy with her body then she's forced to suffer through a lifetime of seeking that perfection in Fleabag there's a wonderful scene where I hate to spoil this but it's so apropos her father for some reason gives her and her sister a series of lectures by a feminist as a way of helping them with their grief from the death of their mother mm -hmm. and in this one particular thing which is played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge's mother the, the oh, feminist wow, the who's leading this yes there's a crowd of women in an auditorium and the woman is speaking in a very, very understandable tone about what women go through in their, their dilemma. Mm -hmm. And she says, let me ask you a question. How many of you would give up five years of your life for the perfect body? And Phoebe Waller-Bridge and her sister both raise their hands and she looks around and she says, we're bad feminists. <laughs> only ones yeah. who raise their hands. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but they were the only honest ones. To yes, tell you the truth. exactly. Exactly. But I think if you ask a number of women whether they would do that, 
that, I think you would be surprised by the answers. Well, I can relate to that, to what would you give to have something that you feel if you had it. This is maybe where the wellness industry comes in and fucks with people's thinking. Yes. You think, if I had this thing, whether it's 10 fewer pounds or different, something physically different about you, um, then you would elicit the reaction from others in this world that you've been craving all your life. You would be you loved. Know, you would be loved. It comes down to that. So I have my own slavish regimen that's oh. all about, I have to do this because I have to look presentable and desirable in case the right gentleman caller should cross my path. So that is that is about an aesthetic. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's changing your body in order, as we talked about just a second ago, to basically, if you want to admit it, which is galling, <laughs> to be loved. Yeah. You know? yeah. I'm going to get more my pecs bigger because then I'll be loved. I don't know how parallel it is it to is parallel. this with women and, and weight. I think it is parallel because there's an outside standard mm -hmm. that you go to the gym to conform to. Yeah, and never hit the mark. That's a crowning prime so hallmark you going. of the whole thing. I, I, the myth that if I just try one more, it's like an addiction. I mean, it's a healthy addiction because the exercise I do at the gym is actually good for my body. Right. But the motivation is tainted with this feeling of <laughs> I've got to do this because if I can just get my chest bigger, my arms bigger, uh, someone might find me attractive. Through that, maybe I have a kind of an understanding of what it is for women to be approaching this, this dieting thing. Yes, no, I think you do because somewhere inside of you mm -hmm. is a, a story mm -hmm. that you tell yourself that this amount of reps will bring me love. Yeah, and yeah. Boil down to its yeah, essence. Yeah. And inside of me is a voice that says, "If you only lost twenty pounds." It's really interesting because I think there's definitely a societal part to all of that. You can't uh, deny undeniable. There's also, I think, just individual psychological parts that are lurking behind that mm -hmm. that go probably back to childhood and right. uh, not being uh, seen or heard or loved and thinking, "Well, there must be something wrong with me." Well, what could it be? Oh, maybe it's my body you know yeah and I think that certain of us are more susceptible to those mm -hmm. messages mm -hmm. it's not every woman who feels the way that I have internalized about my body right and I'm in this I don't want to say Sisyphean because once I push the boulder up the hill hopefully it'll stay there but this process of letting go of who I was right when I was 30 when I was 40 when I was 50 oh, right. I'm just not that person anymore right and part of me would love to take some kind of vitamins or some kind of or eat a certain way or do something to reclaim my youth in that way. Yeah. The fact is, I feel very youthful. Mm -hmm. And I also feel if someone isn't attracted to me, they're not attracted to me. Right. But it's more than my body that will attract someone of the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's uh, interesting. It ties back to the Madonna question uh -huh. about, uh, like, she's definitely not grieving the loss of her 30-year-old self. She's she's keeping it. <laughs> she's, she's holding on to it. Yeah. 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 Well, she's refusing to grieve. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's what I exactly. mean. Exactly. Yeah. Steve Ensler, who did the vagina monologues, right. said it's hard for a woman to really get out and be politically active and protest when she's worried about the size of her stomach. Those... <laughs> You're going to say the size of her tits. <laughs> <laughs> that too. <laughs> I'm just projecting. <laughs> so... I think I've said all I can say about, about this subject, but I, I'm well, sure that I'll return back to it. Because... Well, I learned a lot from talking about it. Oh. Good topic. We'll, we'll talk about it again, I'm sure.
Our third topic is based on both of our watching the Our Planet series on the BBC, narrated by David Attenborough. On Netflix, right? The, at least on the Netflix, current one. Yeah. yes. And it is really an illustration of how the planet is changing and the change that that's bringing to the flora and fauna that depend on certain attributes of the Earth, like polar bears depend on ice. Right. And the ice is melting. Right. And their numbers are shrinking. Right. So what we had talked about just briefly was how climate change affects us or how our daily rituals reflect how we feel about it. Like, for, for instance, I will confess, I do not recycle. I, I think it was noble at one point, but that at this time in my life, I want manufacturers to make packaging that is biodegradable. I think that that is well within the realm of what industry can do. And it to to depend on every one of us to sort and, and clean our packages, our plastic, our glass, our metal, is something that is no longer useful because where we used to take our recyclables, China, is no longer accepting them. Mm. So we've had to look for different places. I've heard Vietnam is one place, I've heard India is another place. Today, when I was taking my Trader Joe's biodegradable bag off of some corn that I bought, I looked at it and I got that same feeling that I used to get about, oh, it's biodegradable, I'm doing good for the earth, but then realizing that it, it's so tiny. Right. <laughs> what, what those biodegrade, I mean, yay for Trader Joe's, yay for the people who made these this, yeah. these bags, but we need that on such a larger scale. Mm -hmm. right. But you know, on the other hand, even something tiny is worth doing, because at least it kind of raises your awareness. Well, awareness yeah. is... It's worthwhile. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I hear what you're saying about the recycling, but I still do it with the trash that goes out each week, uh, just in hopes that some little piece of plastic gets turned into something else. I mean, I, I, it's not so much that I'm noble, it's that I just can't abide the thought that it's all, all a racket. <laughs> it's, it's going into a landfill off the 405. Yeah, they have a separate <laughs> trash truck that comes to fix it up and everything, you know? And it's like, God, if that's all for nothing. But, so why doesn't, for example, why does the Starbucks sell you their products at half price if you bring your own cup. Why aren't they doing that? You know, these cups, every week I go in there and I get a plastic cup from them, you know, and it goes in there, that trash can is two parts, yes. and one is, yeah. would make you roll your eyes, but I'm <laughs> grateful to see it. It says plastic can go in here. Yeah. So I put it in there and I think I'm doing something, but now that they're like, yeah, yeah, put it on the recycling side, be sure to do that. And then they're like, ah, they're, they're <laughs> pouring it all into the trash in the back. <laughs> It's the same thing. I hate to say it, it's the same thing with elections in the U.S. Like we think our vote matters, but right now it can't. <laughs> it does matter. Well, it, when it comes to recycling, my little vote of putting my plastic cup on the recycling side instead of the trash side um, means anything or well, makes any kind of difference. In in our world, our vote is our currency. Right. And it's it, it, it isn't exactly one person one vote. And God knows that's been messed up. And right. Voting rights that's are now really about. being yeah. being um, challenged in so many ways. But that there is a direct connection between each little person's vote mm -hmm. and becoming a massive vote. Right. Whereas what uh, what I would say is, if each person refused to recycle and said industry has to change this, I mean it's not each of our little pieces of plastic is damaging. I get what you're saying. I think yeah. you're saying that we're being sold a bill of goods that it's up to our little individual selves, yeah. and in a way that's been done to get industry off the hook. I did hear something in the news that I heard that. That car makers were challenging yes. Trump on the relaxation of emission standards, that they actually want to move towards better emission standards. 
But I agree with you, industry could be doing things and government could be doing things that make it a pocketbook issue for us. See, that's and then we I wouldn't get. have a hard time. We wouldn't have to sit and talk about whether it's worthwhile or not. We would we would do some of these things because it would be to our material benefit. Right. But see, that's where my conspiracy theorist comes in, that government is in bed with the oil companies. Oh, well, that's true. And that there's not going to be any progress until we get a, a new government. Right, right. And even then, it's there's still lobbyists and right, it's very right. dense. But I mean... Um, well, we have fought wars in order to yeah. enrich ourselves in terms of oil and things like that. Yes, and we still are, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. But I, as far as like day-to-day things, I was listening to a woman who said that she had been a regular traveler by plane, and mm-hmm. she had sort of rejiggered her life to oh, right. telecommute right. and do things that were where she didn't have to right. actually get on a plane. Right. And she she started questioning all of the reasons why she had to be in a meeting right. physically in that space. Now, right. I, I, I happen to think that there is is often a good reason to be face-to-face with someone and the telecommuting isn't, you know, FaceTime and all of the other things. Teleconferencing right. is not the same. Right. It's just not as, it's it's not as personal. But at the same time, plane flights are, are hugely disruptive to the climate. I just heard about a flight, I think it's, I think it's United. There's one flight that's going from Los Angeles to Chicago and they're using biofuel, which uses up 60% less or creates 60% less CO2 than a normal flight would and that they're offsetting it now I don't know if carbon offsets are actually a thing I mean I know they were talked about as being a thing mm-hmm. but I don't understand them well enough to know if that's actually yeah, going to do any, any good but that they're going to use carbon offsets for the other 40% mm-hmm. now I don't know how expensive that flight's going to be but that's again there's industry right. thinking in a useful way that's right But and government could cooperate by saying we're going to subsidize people who choose to fly on those flights right Right. Know? Yeah. because that'll help the airlines want to do it. Yes. Yeah. I've become such a uh, so comfortable with capitalism in the sense that I think things should be presented in ways that regular consumers can see a definite dollar benefit from doing things that are going to possibly move us towards saving the planet. Well, that's what a government is for. Yeah. Yeah. We've just lost it for the, these four years, but these four dark, will, dark years. The dark years, but hopefully things will change back. Yeah. I don't know. It's so. So, it, so what do you think of this show? It's so hard to watch it. I see. I have to. <laughs> I have to believe that refusing a straw at Starbucks for my iced tea gonna save a is going to do something. If you watch these shows, just you'll just... I don't know. The despair will be will I, overtake I, I you. I feel to a certain extent that it's so easy to get overwhelmed by the subject and right. the vastness of it. But here's the thing. If we were working in coordination with industries that are finding ways right. to save right. the planet from climate change, right, right. then I would be for recycling. I yeah. would do everything I could. Yeah. There should be a, an initiative the same as Kennedy saying we're going to get a man on the moon. Yeah. There should be a national initiative of some yes. kind tied to saving the planet. Yes, and I think that people would be receptive to that because yeah. I think it's so, it's becoming, like I was thinking somebody should do a Christmas Carol, do the earth in the past, right? before climate change, right. the earth now with climate change, oh, yeah. and the earth in the future and what oh, it's going to yeah. look like. Christmas past. Yeah. 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 So the, well, you get it from watching this show. I mean, you see what's already happened and yeah. you, then you can just imagine twice as much in 20 years. Yes. You know, people say, make all these changes by 2050 and I don't know. 
I won't be around probably, but oh, I could be. You could be. I could be 94. Yeah. Yeah, I could easily be around. Yeah. So, and and I'll be looking fabulous because I will have worked (laughs) out all those years. Imagine this. No doubt. The size of my pecs will just astound people. Um, But I I wonder if the planet can last to 2050. Um, I really do. There was just some report, and I'm really going to sound ignorant because I don't know where or what it was from, but that 2050 is really the date where everything just falls off a cliff. Mm -hmm. We're just, that humanity cannot survive past 2050. That's the lemmings, the year of the lemmings. Yes. At no time more than now do I think about, you know, the idea that people question is, is this time, whatever time that was in the Mm -hmm. past or even recently, to have a child? And I think about my daughter who wants to have a child. Right. And yeah, what, you have to wonder if it's if it's moral at this point. Yes. If it's morally responsible. Yes. At this point. Well, you have to wonder what is that child going to. That's what I mean. Be tested by. That's yeah. what I mean. What am I? Yeah. What world am I going to put this person in? Exactly. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So that's a big part of my motivation. Is yeah. Um, there has to be something that we're able to have a realistic hope about. You know. I, I mean, the yes. dis- it can't just be despair. And I think that the show, our planet, they do show you things that have worked and are working. They show you fish populations that have come back from near extinction yes. because laws were passed about the manner in which people can fish those those sections of the ocean. Definitely. They do give you reason for hope. Um, we have to have that. I have to have that. Well, I that's what I want. That's what I, I want there to be. Um, you know, the Paris Accords right. are good, right. but they are not going to get us there fast right. enough. Right. So I, I will sacrifice. Yeah. I will sacrifice again if I have to. I will ride my bicycle again if I have to. Yeah. And if there, if that means that my daughters, right, because in their lifetime they'll go off a cliff in 2050, right, just as as much as they will if they one of them has a child or not or children, right. right. So I think what we need is concrete evidence that what we are doing and the lives that we're living are going to actually help mend the planet rather mm-hmm. than contributing to the dissolution of it. Right, right. So. Well, I'm still a big fan of make it make it economically advantageous for average working people to make changes in their lives that yes. will lead us to a better place. And that's what we need the government for. Yeah. They, we need a government that. that takes this seriously. I and I think there is a real motivational factor amongst the Democratic candidates. Right. It does seem to be on, on almost everybody's list you of You think of, uh, yeah, of our parents in the World War II generation, and I, I'm sure your parents like mine, my mom used to always talk to me about the rationing and the um, the duration. I have to do this for the, the duration. duration of, of yes. the war. And people made these sacrifices and they were... I don't know if I, I think it's fair to say they were happy to do them because they had a sense that there was purpose to it. Yes. And when you think what's happening to the planet in terms of lives lost is going to on a, it's going to be on a scale much larger than all the lives that were lost in World War II. Oh, and you know, they were fighting evil in the form of Hitler and what have you, other uh, despot, despotic governments and that sort of thing. But um, there was a sense of we've got to fight this. We're in this. Yes. We've got to and either. we're all in this together. Yeah. And there was commitment. And <laughs> when you think about it, the climate situation is more dire than anything we faced I it think is. I mean no, we is. faced human evil so it was very dramatically bad but well, in terms of to it. yeah exactly but in terms of the scale of life lost yeah. this is going to be big oh yeah and the, the thing about our planet is there are no humans in it we don't see the, the that's right the things that are happening in Guatemala that are the, the climate change is worsening people to come up north because the their crops cost. have failed right yes or right. in the Sudan where <laughs> you know there's drought and crop failure and all of that right so that think Africa of it Soon the people in the Napa Valley are going to be penniless. <laughs> <laughs>
Robert, God help them. Robert Mondavi's going to be panhandling. <laughs> oh, say that isn't so. Say it's it isn't true, so. though. I, I went to the LA County Fair and I went to a wine tasting event and the little wine education seminar. Yeah. And they said that the great, the better wines are starting to come from Washington State rather than from Napa Valley. Because it's Because of climate. Because wow. it's getting warmer up there and it's getting too hot in Napa. Wow. I had not heard that. That is amazing. Yeah, that's what they told us. Yeah. Well, we better get to work. <laughs> Let's move to Washington. <laughs> I would like to. Okay. Washington. Nice. But thing. we won't fly. No. We'll hit you. We'll just walk. Okay. <laughs> right. Anyway, well, I think that's going to do it for us in this episode of Boomerang. So this was a fun one. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye, Boomers. Bye.